Hello and welcome to the Agile Canada Insider Podcast. This is the next installment of the special series we are doing for the week of Agile Emphasis. And today I have with me special guest Annalyn Bruce to talk about the theme of education in our work. Each podcast in this special series is focusing on a different sector of Agile's work and today we are going to look at education. Thank you so much Annalyn for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. You know, we've worked together for a couple of years now, and we've gotten to know each other, I, I think. But for the benefit of our viewers, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, where you come from? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I am Annalyn Bruce. I'm the Development Program Director for ADRA Canada, and I started my work with ADRA as a volunteer mm. way back in 1994 in, uh, in ADRA, Sudan. And then I moved to Adra Somalia, and then uh, after that I worked with Adra Asia, and now I'm with Adra Canada. I'm originally from the Philippines, but I married a Canadian, that's why I'm here in Canada. Mm-hmm. So that's something we share, because I'm also here for marrying <laughs> yes, a Canadian. Right. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what a development program director does? What, what does your, your desk look like? Okay, well, when we say... Uh, development programming or really dealing with the how do we help facilitate bringing the best in others so that they can be how God intended them to be. Mm -hmm. It's more long-range, long-term programming. My main responsibility now is uh, in terms of um, uh, planning and proposal development and once uh, the the funding is obtained from our donors then i hand it over to our implementation team which right now is headed by our associate director david kazari chalk Mm -hmm. okay so i know adra's mission is to serve humanity so all may live as god intended and I think a lot of people think of Adra's work as the emergency side, Mm -hmm. but I love that we have this development side as well, doing like you said, it's it's helping people to live the way God intended. I think that's wonderful. You have a great responsibility, and I can see God working through you and blessing your contributions to Adra, and we're just really happy to have you here. I would just like to add that um, there's a very strong connection between our emergency programming and development programming. Mm-hmm. So when an emergency happens and we, uh, we hear this over the news and then we start our projects there and uh, we just don't uh, run away mm-hmm. once the, uh, the emergency is finished, you know, but we, we aim to stay as much as possible so that we go through the rehabilitation, mm-hmm. more uh, longer term initiatives as well as development programming mm-hmm. uh, whenever the situation allows and whenever funding is uh, available. So in those kinds of situations, it's helping people to get back on their feet mm-hmm. through livelihood projects. It could be helping to um, restore water systems so they have access to clean water or helping them to have safe shelter again, things like that. Right, and uh, those like addressing the, the basics, continuation of services which may have been disrupted because mm-hmm. of the emergency, and then over going beyond that as well in terms of um, providing education because usually uh, when emergencies set in, the education is disrupted and that's usually the the last one to among the last one to be attended to because you're just saving lives you know food water and shelter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but then we then try to go into education and that's what we're doing with the with the bright project mm-hmm. uh, particularly 
Yeah, having kids now, um, that resonates even more with me, the importance of restoring those schools and getting kids back into school as quickly as possible so there isn't that gap um, or ensuring that they get back at all. That's, mm -hmm. I can see that being very important, especially for long term. You know, like mm -hmm. they can have their livelihoods restored, they can have a, a safe home to live in, safe water, but that you still need that pathway of hope for the future, for, for a better life. And Adra has this saying now, don't they, about um, education, a belief or a goal about our education projects. So we are aiming that every child, everywhere in school. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's clear, easy to understand, and also an amazing goal to work towards. And we now have a video to switch to to watch about Adra's education projects. Hi, my name is Nia Luke. I am 13 years old and live in a small village up in the northern part of South Sudan. It is my dream to one day become a doctor or at least a nurse. I would like to get a good education and then return to my village and help my people, especially the children of the village. If I could do this, I would be the first female doctor to work in this part of South Sudan. But there are many obstacles on my path. Here in South Sudan, if girls go to school at all, they usually only attend until about grade 3. This is when many girls drop out to help their mothers with home chores. The other big problem has been the civil conflicts that we've had. Not only here in the Upper Nile where we live, but all over South Sudan. I'm only 13, but I tell you, I have seen too much war and fighting. Last year, when the soldiers came through our village, it was not safe. We all ran into the forest to hide. There was no time to pack up food or clothes. We just had to run. When we came back, we found that the soldiers had eaten our food and stolen our things. A few years back, the fighting became so bad that we had to run across the border into Ethiopia. We had to live there for two years in a refugee camp before it was safe to come back home. Since we have returned from the refugee camp, things have been more peaceful and our school has opened up again. My parents have let me attend and I am now in grade 4. I really enjoy going to school. I love everything about it. But when school is over and I return home, I still have to do a lot of work to help my parents. Two or three times a day, it is my job to go to the waterhole to collect water for the family. Fortunately, there is a pretty good water source that is only about 500 meters from our house. We are able to get our water here most of the year before it dries up and we have to walk a lot further. It's hard work, but if I can go at the same time as my friends, it makes the task a lot easier. Sometimes my father also puts me to work. 
he will have me take the family cows out to pasture to graze. Cows are very important in our culture, and this is how it's been for centuries. They not only give us all the milk we could ever want, they also act as our family savings. If there is ever any kind of emergency, we can sell a cow and use the money to pay the hospital fees. Cows are also needed to pay the dowry for marriage. The price for a bride here in our village is usually about 25 cows. Without the cows, it is very hard to get married. A couple of years ago, my older sister got married when she was only 15. When she got married, my family got 25 cows. Every time I think about that, I get afraid that the same thing could happen to me. What would happen to my dream of becoming a doctor then? And so, with all of the obstacles before me, I'm not sure that I will ever be able to reach my goals. One thing that gives me hope is Adra. They have started working here in our village. They have started fixing up the schools and training the teachers to help them be better at teaching. Adra has started a club at our school where they are teaching us the rights that we have as citizens. I have learned that kids have the right to food, shelter, and education. We have learned that we have the right to be protected from early marriage. We have the right to speak up about any kind of abuse that we might be facing. We have learned to identify feelings and that we can talk about feelings. We have learned that it is important for children to feel safe. Many things have really become better at our school since Adra has come. I really appreciate what Adra has been doing here in our village to promote education. I had to drop out of school myself when I was in grade one, and I have always been sad that the war destroyed my opportunities. Adra has started parent-teacher groups, and we have community groups where we get together and discuss all the reasons why education is important for our children, including our girls. We have learned about the dangers of early marriage. My husband has also been attending the meetings, and together we have come to the decision that our Nyaluk needs to stay in school. All of us, including her brothers, are determined that she reach her goal of one day becoming a doctor. Adra is a big part of our lives now. Nyaluk loves going to school with her friends and loves learning. Adra believes that every child everywhere should be in school and given opportunities to learn. Education saves lives. Education provides children with hope for a better future. Education secures a safer community, a safer country, a safer world. That is why ADRA Canada has launched a project designed to promote education, especially for girls and women, in three countries that are currently affected by war and conflict. Myanmar, Niger, and Sudan. By providing schools, clean water, sanitation, learning materials, teacher training, 
and sensitization for parents, girls who once had no hope for an education are now being given the opportunity to attend school. Bright is a four-year project that is helping secure a brighter future for girls like Neeluk. By partnering with ADRA in this vital work, you are changing lives. Thank you for your support of the Ministry of ADRA. Welcome back. Today we are talking with ADRA Canada's Development Program Director, Annalyn Bruce, specifically about the education sector in ADRA's work. So Annalyn, thanks again for being here with us. We just watched this wonderful video about issues regarding children accessing education. And when I watched that video, it struck me that, you know, some of the, a lot of the barriers between these children and, and getting a good education and having a better future it isn't only that there might not be a school building or the classrooms might not be adequate enough or they don't have enough school supplies. There are some much bigger, deeper issues going on preventing them from going to school. Can you elaborate for us a little bit more about what those are? Yes, you are right that there's much more. It's uh, quite a complex uh, situation, especially in the areas where we are working. Um, and I, I've just returned from a field trip in Niger, and uh, I could talk more about that. So mm -hmm, for sure. in, uh, in Niger, uh, there are cultural norms that uh, really uh, inhibit uh, girls' education in particular. Um, it's very prevalent to um, see children getting married so there's child and early and forced marriages that are happening there and uh, it's just how they they do things there and mm -hmm. it's very hard to counter those cultural norms that have long been embedded for for many years um, so that's one and additionally aside from those uh, cultural norms that are not favorable favorable to girls education we also have uh, livelihood considerations mm. where you know they uh, some of the families are forced to choose between you know sending their kids to school or earning very very little uh, for their livelihoods but even very little livelihoods that come into the family helps to you know, bridge their, their daily needs. So there are livelihood considerations and there are cultural uh, considerations. And it's, it's a matter of um, mindset also, mm -hmm. changing people's uh, mindset to really appreciate that there's, uh, there's a lot of benefit that goes to the family when your kids go to school and complete an education rather than being married at a very early age. Mm -hmm. So when you say married at a very early age, mm -hmm. um, perhaps the, the age range varies depending on the country, but on average, can you give us a, an idea of how, just yeah. how young? Yeah, that's true. Some of the people that uh, we have uh, talked to, they say that as, as early as uh, 10, even in the places where we're working, they are already uh, given into marriage. Um, but um, 
as you said, it varies per, mm -hmm. per village even, even within the same country it could vary, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, it's that young mm -hmm. yeah, in the places wow. where we're working. Another barrier that uh, our young girls and boys are experiencing in accessing education is uh, the security situation because um, the Bright project is actually really intended to be implemented in areas where there's conflict mm -hmm. or at least just getting out of conflict. So the security situation is uh, still very much unstable mm -hmm. and there is a big concern from parents that if they were to send their children to school that along the way and we're talking you know long distances mm -hmm. we're talking as you know as much as 10 to 12 kilometers wow. one way wow. something could happen yeah. and uh, the safety of the kid is also compromised so there's those issues as well, which uh, here in, in North America isn't uh, much of an issue mm -hmm. um, for us. Like you know, we have school buses that pick up our kids or we're able to drop them off. So for them, they, they don't have the means. People actually have to walk. The kids have to walk to school. Mm -hmm. Some are able to secure a, a small bike and uh, it's a little bit easier for them. But um, again, it's, it's a safety consideration. Mm -hmm. So the video mentioned the Bright Project and spoke briefly about it. You, you've uh, sprinkled your conversation with references mm -hmm. to it. So let's unpack that a little bit more. What is the Bright Project and what is it doing? So Bright actually, it's, it's uh, an acronym for um, the project title, which is you know, Breaking Barriers for uh, Girls' Education Towards Hope and the uh, Totality. And to, um, sorry, just to recap, those barriers would be early child marriage, mm -hmm. uh, safety concerns, especially given the distance to schools and uh, families' livelihoods, mm -hmm. you know, the mm -hmm. choice between sending your child to school or having them help bring in a little more money for the day's needs. Correct, yeah, right. those are the major uh, mm -hmm. barriers to, to education that we have seen so far. And Bright is seeking to break them. Yes, so yeah. I'm wondering how. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a tall order. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is working with the communities themselves because they, they're the ones facing these uh, problems and they also hold the, the key to solutions for that mm -hmm. or at least ideas on mm -hmm. how to solve these issues. Uh, some of the solutions, they do have that in their capacity to to um, address. However, in some situations as well, they do need external assistance to be able to address those barriers. So one of the things that we have done is to um, develop a pool of uh, resources where we're able to provide the grants, small grants mm -hmm. for the beneficiaries, for the project participants, so that they can then um, design whatever solutions they feel oh. will really be able to address the, the particular barrier that they are uh, facing. And um, in particular, one of the uh, community-led solutions that we have seen is that some of the parents have, uh, have come together and what they did is that they, they've sent their kids, um, because it's, the distance is so far, mm -hmm. so they've sent their kids to that particular village where there is a school that's uh, close by and then they they pulled together their resources so that there's like a a foster family or a foster home mm. that they can go to where a group of kids can go mm -hmm. and then they will then be fed they will give some you know money to provide for their mm -hmm. their food 
and they don't have to go, you know, every every day back and forth right. to school with such distances, and mm -hmm. it gives them more time to be able to, you know, do their schoolwork and also safety considerations mm -hmm. where they don't have to expose themselves so often mm -hmm. to the risks of um, insecurity or fighting that they can be caught in crossfires or they can be kidnapped or things like that. So that's one uh, solution that they themselves have come to really say, okay, if only we're able to, to get them into one foster family, then it will work. And that's, that's the kind of uh, um, activities that our small grants would support. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. So it's it's a real partnership with the communities. Right. Like they are really involved in and personally committed in finding these solutions and breaking these barriers right. yeah. on behalf of their children. That's wonderful. Yeah, and what we're doing is actually finding all those uh, community-led uh, solutions already because they even in the in the poorest of communities, you still find some champions really who mm -hmm. believe in education and will do whatever they can to get their kids to school. So we're finding those uh, solutions uh, that can really show that, hey, even in your own context, something is doable. Mm -hmm. And if they see that it's really someone of their own who are able to do this, then there's more, okay, yeah, it's not just, you know, this, uh, you know, foreign organization right. that tells us, but actually it's someone from our own community that's able to do it. So we try to amplify those solutions mm -hmm. by providing some support to give it a little bit more push for those families that have uh, really very limited resources that cannot do those things. Mm -hmm. So in order for parents or communities to come together to, to hash out solutions for some of these issues, they have to, by that point, already be on board about the importance of, of education. So is Bright part of, of that piece of getting them to believe in the importance of education for their children, especially their daughters? Yes, there's a lot of uh, community sensitization that's happening mm -hmm. and um, in fact uh, I was able to meet some of what they call community uh, animators mm -hmm. where really uh, they, they have a lot of events that they do, they have, um, they have drama, they have singing, they have um, you know, all sorts of uh, uh, ways that they can, they can engage the community that they will really show how, how important it is, the benefits of uh, education, especially for girls and uh, young women. And um, what's been happening is that when, when they see that really, oh, look at so-and-so, they, they also bring like real-life uh, uh, models, so to speak, mm -hmm. or champions to, mm -hmm. to, that the community is made aware that, look, this one just lives, you know, your neighbor or another village right next to you and they're able to do this. So it's, it's a powerful testimony mm -hmm. that they see someone of their own kind mm -hmm. really progressing. Yeah. Is this an approach that has been around for a while or is it kind of new in, in the Bright project or recently in projects in general? Yeah. I believe it's been uh, around in the development sector mm -hmm. uh, for a while, but at least for the uh, um, bright project sites where we are working, it's, uh, it's relatively new mm -hmm. in the sense that we're really um, 
engaging and we're very much more intentional mm -hmm. in finding those community-led solutions mm -hmm. in terms of education in particular in right. a context where there's insecurity so there's a few components that are relatively new but the concept in general has been a uh, you know a development principle that mm -hmm. has proven to be effective mm -hmm. okay so you mentioned a couple of times that this project in particular is, is operating in special kinds of contexts um, areas where there is either currently conflict or areas that are just coming out of conflict mm -hmm. um, for me that makes me wonder why there if mm -hmm. it's if it's not a very <laughs> stable context uh, is it feasible to do this kind of work there and, and can it be successful what's the the rationale behind working in these kinds of contexts? That's a very big consideration when we were choosing a project sites mm -hmm. where we're to really uh, do a project that is uh, doable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, what we've found is that um, in, there are pockets of uh, insecurity in, in these areas where we are working in. And there are also times though that um, it is it is workable to mm -hmm. implement project activities. So we do a lot of engagement and assessment with the ADRA offices that are involved, in particular ADRA Myanmar, ADRA Niger, and uh, ADRA Sudan, mm -hmm. where we said, okay, um, where is it that it's possible to do an education project where there is some semblance of stability? Of mm -hmm. course, this is a four-year project, so you can never predict you right. know, when another conflict will erupt or another insecurity situation will come about. And uh, at the time when we were designing the, the proposal, these are the areas which uh, seem to have relative uh, security. Mm -hmm. And then uh, at that point, it was also the areas where we said, okay, based on statistics, this is where there's the highest number of uh, out-of-school uh, mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, moreover, in these uh, sites, there's quite... A, an inequality where it's very obvious that the younger women and girls are less able to access school mm -hmm. uh, compared to their male counterparts. So in a way, this is actually a, uh, an attempt to bring some gender equality when it comes to access to, to education. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And education itself once you start receiving an education, that can also help contribute in the long term to increasing stability in a region. Definitely. Is that right? Definitely. So is that part of the rationale of okay, it's, it's conflict now or it was recently a conflict, let's get in there while there's this window of opportunity and, and help contribute to increasing the length of, of the stability that they're enjoying now? Is it something like that? Right. Um, and also I, I, I have to mention that uh, it's not only ADRA that recognizes where in areas where there is conflict or insecurity, that's actually where the greatest needs are, mm -hmm. uh, usually. Even our donor, the, the Canadian government, is actually when very much recognizing it such that the, the pool of funding for this project is actually intended to really reach out and serve those who are in conflict-affected areas. Mm -hmm. So is this kind of project among the first for ADRA Canada to implement working with de in the development sector but in conflict and post-conflict contexts? Correct, yeah, because uh, usually when, when we do education, it's in 
not conflict uh, situations mm-hmm. where you can really do you know education it's it's a long-term intervention mm-hmm. so with this it's our it's our uh, pilot initiative however uh, we are working with the with the Adra Norway who mm-hmm. have long been into the the area of really uh, um, implementing education activities in conflict affected areas so we're working closely with them mm-hmm. and we're also working with local partners who had been also doing this kind of initiative. So we have both local and international partners that are helping us to really make sure that what we deliver is really something that will help boost the education opportunities for those who are conflict affected. And these partners, especially Adra Norway, you said they've they've been doing this work for a long time. So they have models that have been successful Mm -hmm. Like it's something that they do and that they are doing very well. So we have confidence that our project will also do very well in partnership with them and and the local partners as well. Yes, and uh, in particular, our uh, partnership with Adra Norway is uh, very, very important for Mm -hmm. Adra Niger, which I just visited, Mm -hmm. because um, we are working in the same areas where they are working. Mm -hmm. So Adra Norway is currently uh, funding a project which has an accelerated learning program, ALP, mm-hmm. which aims to capture kids or out-of-school uh, women, girls, and young boys who have not been to school and they're aged uh, 9 to 12. Mm-hmm. And uh, after they complete the ALP, which is um, a compressed uh, curriculum, then the idea is for them to be able to transition into mainstream education schools of the government. Mm -hmm. So that's the area. So we said, okay, so you have a program to capture the 9 to 12 years old. Uh, What about those who are past 12 years old? Because there's still many of them who Mm -hmm. have not been to school or have dropped out of school. Mm -hmm. So they said then at that time, oh, there's actually nothing for that. That's a gap. Mm-hmm. that has been identified and in particular that was happening in Niger. Mm-hmm. So that's where Bright came in and said, okay, we will take care of providing the an ALP, mm-hmm. an accelerated learning program right. for those uh, 13 years old and above so that once they finish the program, mm-hmm. they can go into the secondary schools or they can do some vocational training that will equip them some uh, potential for livelihood opportunities. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. So that was really very inspiring to to know that you know it, it might be a drop in the ocean that what we're doing but it's a drop nonetheless. You know you say drop in the ocean and it makes it sound like oh it's it's a hopeless situation mm-hmm. but in in reality if that drop was one of your daughters or one of my sons I would be forever eternally grateful to whoever made that possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Annalyn, for joining us today. Really appreciated having you here with us, sharing about Adra's work in education in particular, but also your journey with Adra and the contributions that you make. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank you for having me. And thank you so much for joining us today as well with our Adra Insider podcast, this special series for our week of Adra Emphasis. I invite you to go to our website to check out the many other wonderful resources we have available for you. And there are also some very exciting upcoming events that you don't want to miss. So please go to that website and check it out. 
I hope you will meet us back here tomorrow when I will have Frank Spangler as my special guest speaking to ADRA's livelihood projects. Thank you so much. Thank you.